Well, welcome everybody. Glad that you are here. Uh, this is this is Project Salt. We've uh, we've been doing this for this is our third preview service, is what we're calling it. Uh, so I don't know what preview services are exactly, but we're we're having them, and so we're glad that you're all here. Uh, just kind of looking forward, uh, you know, into next year and what God could possibly be asking us at Project Salt. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing a Christmas Eve service, and, and one good way to stay in, in touch with what's going on is just our website. Uh, and our website, we got a new website. It's like three months old and we got a new website. So the new website is, is Project Salt Greeley. That's pretty easy to remember. Project Salt Greeley. But one, one good way to know what's going on as we move forward is just continually check the website, follow our, our Twitter, tweets, whatever you want to call that, uh, because all our information will be coming up through that. As, as we're talking about a uh, little techie kind of stuff, if you have an iPhone or one of these little cute little smartphones, you can go ahead and, and pull that out now. Uh, don't check your Facebook. Well, you can if you want, but pull, pull your iPhone out. For those of you that really appreciate this, you'll love it. For those of you that don't care, you won't care. Uh, but go to Uversion. That's the free Bible app. And in Uversion, you can search for Project Salt, and all the notes for tonight are going to be on there. And there's a cool little poll that you can take, and I can see how many of you are paying attention, and blah, there's videos and all sorts of stuff. So for those of you that really care, go ahead and pull it out. I would be one of those techie guys following along on my notes. So uh, again, welcome to Project Salt. We're so glad that you are here. And like I said earlier, our prayer for you today was that you would be here. <laughs> we, you know, when you're starting something, you don't know. We haven't done anything for five weeks. So it's like, God, bring whomever you want, because whoever comes is, is, is who you want to be here. And there's plenty of distractions. Our team, a lot of us moved down from Gunnison, Colorado, to start this, this church. And even myself, I'm like, do we have church this week? Like, I forget, I forget that it's even going on. And so I really look forward to January, because in January, on January 7th, we plan on uh, meeting here every single week, every Saturday night. Get, get a very consistent meeting going on. And for those of you that, that are currently going, man, I love this once a month thing, but that's kind of a, a space out, uh, then we, have, we have a house church that's meeting as well. Well, going to start meeting. <laughs> and so uh, check our website for that information as well. We're starting this thing, and there's, a, there's only a few ways to get involved, and those are the two ways. So, so that's good. Uh, if you take notes, uh, there, there's these little action cards. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this on the top of your uh, note card. Breakfast. Breakfast. A few of you have, have heard me speak recently, and uh, yes, I'm going to speak on breakfast again because it is so good. When there's going to be a twist to it, though. There's going to be a twist to it. Because I, I, I really feel like this week as I was praying and asking God for us, what does he have for us here? This breakfast kept coming to mind. Because this breakfast talk hits every single one of us. I don't care where you're at, if you are chasing after God, this breakfast talk is for you. And for those of you that are in here and kind of exploring God, this breakfast talk could really give you a good insight into Jesus Christ himself as a person, how he sees you, how he acts towards you, how he thinks of you. And so this is such a good message for all of us to hear. I feel like in this room, a lot of us are walking around with a nagging weight of guilt. A nagging weight of guilt. 
And in this weight of guilt, it comes from, uh, from stuff that we do, we've done in our past, maybe. Or possibly even this guilt of stuff that, that we haven't even done yet. I don't know if, if this hits you, but let me give you a couple examples, okay? Maybe professionally, you're carrying around this guilt which kind of turns into shame a little bit because you know professionally you should be doing something at your work that you're not really doing, like your job title or something. You're not really fulfilling that job title. Or maybe it's something that you know you can fix in the workplace, but you're not really fixing it. Or, or maybe quite possibly you're carrying around this guilt because you're working in a job that you, you know that you're not supposed to be working in. God's called you to something else. And so every day you wake up and you have this guilt of doing something that you know that you're really not even supposed to be doing. And this guilt turns into like this shame. But it's not only just professionally that this hits. It hits in every area of our life. It also hits physically. Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. January's coming around. What happens in January? I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to start working out, whatever. How many of you have ever carried around the guilt of not fulfilling, you know, this, this resolution that you said that you were going to do? Maybe I'm not exercising, so you walk around with a little bit of guilt, or I'm, oh, I ate that two, two quarter pounders today. Uh-oh, I got this guilt now I'm carrying around, you know. So, so we can carry around that guilt as well, and that's the physical stuff. Um, and then, then the one that I, I, I kind of really hits home is the spiritual guilt. Man, this, this guilt that we carry around about stuff that we've done or, or stuff that we know we should do but not, we're not really doing or maybe this great sin that we've, we've, we've done in our past, this big mistake that we made you know, way back there and, and how can God truly love me because I did this big nasty thing back there and man, God, how can you love me because I, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible more. You say that, I'm supposed to talk to you, but I'm not. And so this guilt turns into like this Shame, and the shame turns into, like, stress. And so you don't know what to do with it. And so because you're not doing what you know you're supposed to do, or you've done something that, that you, you know, what, you're, not, you're not meeting this to-do list, like today you woke up and had 10 things to do, but oops, now you have 12 things to do, and you didn't even accomplish your to-do list. And you see, this, this, all this action and all this stuff can, can mount up to in, intense stress in our life. Intense. There's some things that, that we look at in our life and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God showed it to us, shown it to us, whatever that proper word is, and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we should change some stuff. It could be the Holy Spirit working on our life saying, get rid of this or start doing this. And, and yes, we have to listen to the Holy Spirit and we have to adjust our life to what he's saying. However, when this to-do, this stuff, our performance about what we've done, what we're doing, what we're not doing, what all this adds up, and we're not meeting the standard that we think that we're supposed to meet, we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark, so much so that I don't know if any of you are like me, but you're carrying around this guilt, shame, stress, to the point where you go, okay, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I'm going to play video games for 10 hours. You neglect what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to change, which adds only more to the stress, guilt, and shame. It's like this vicious cycle that goes around. Here's a question for you. Do you find your identity in what you do or don't do? Or do you find your identity in who you are and who God created you to be? 
This message is pointing to breakfast. And I tell you that because Jesus is looking at every single one of us in this room right now and saying it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't even matter where you're going. I'm sitting on a beach, and I want to have breakfast with you. That's where we're going. So in this room right now, I would ask for everyone to kind of pray for me. Pray that my words will be very clear, that God will, will use me somehow to speak his truth to us. So let's just spend a couple minutes, selfish I know, but let's, let's spend a couple minutes just praying for me. Amen. I said minutes, but I meant seconds. If I'd have been up here for two minutes, you guys would have thrown stuff at me. Open your Bible to the book of John. I am going to do my very best to paint a picture of this guy named Peter that jacked up. He messed up. And I'm going to do my very best to paint the picture of this Peter guy. Because I believe we can all relate to Peter. I believe I can relate to Peter in a very, very big way. And if Peter can have breakfast on the beach with Jesus and Jesus loving on him, if Peter can do that, then I can do that. Uh, here's, here's what happens, okay? Uh, to paint this picture, what I want to do is I want to give a, a very rapid flyby in the book of John. I want to I hit some highlights in the book of John, and my goal is this, that every single one of us somehow try to become disciples in this moment. Like, we're following Jesus Christ. We're literally in the stories of the Bible, and so when I'm talking about Jesus feeding the 5,000, I want you to imagine yourself Right there, when Jesus is feeding 5,000, what does it smell like? What does it look like? You love this guy, this Jesus guy. So I want all of us to think about that. I want us to get the depth of what it means to be Peter and to be a disciple. And so let's, let's go ahead, and this setting is the New Testament Palestine. And the, and the story is going to be found in John 6, chapter 6, verse 5. John chapter 6, verse 5. And this is the northern sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And this Jesus guy that we're all following because we're disciples and we love him, we're following him. He, he gets to this point in verse 5 where he looks up. And he looks up because so many people are, are now knowing of these this miracles he's doing. They're hearing of this amazing guy. They're following him. They want to know more about this Jesus guy. So in verse 5, he, Jesus looks up. And what happens? He sees a whole crowd of people coming towards him. And he says to Philip, one of us, one of the disciples, okay, he says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus is worried because there's 5,000 people that have come to listen to him teach, listen to him preach. And he looks up and goes, 5,000 people, uh-oh, that's a lot. We got a problem here. How are we going to feed all these people? Well, if, you, if you're familiar with the story in the Bible at all, or maybe this is the first time, you can look just a couple verses down <clears throat> in verse 9, and one, one of the, the Peters spoke up, Peter, a disciple, spoke up and said, well, here's a boy, and he has five small loaves and two small fish. Okay, which one of you are Peter? Which one of you would literally think that Jesus can feed 5,000 people with a couple loaves and a couple fish? 
Who was that? Huh? <laughs> if, if we're all imagining we're disciples. What would you think? What would you think today if there was 5,000 people that gathered and Jesus was there and, and, and Jesus said, I want to feed these people and all you could find was a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish. What would you think at that moment? Oh, this should feed it. Right, whatever. Jesus takes it and he feeds 5,000 people. That's a miracle. What are you thinking about that? You watched him. You were part of him. Maybe you were Philip and you actually found the loaves and you found the fish and brought it to Jesus thinking, could you use these? And he feeds 5,000 people with it? What are you thinking about that? Have you ever seen that? That's pretty good. That's awesome. I'm blown away with that alone. If I'm a disciple, that alone, I'm blown away with. Well, so are the people. A lot of people are blown away. And to the point where they're pushing on Jesus so much that he retreats. He's like, this isn't good. i got to retreat. And, and then the disciples get in a boat. They go across the, the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake. I don't know why they call it a sea. But they go across the Sea of Galilee. And late at night, we're all disciples. We're in that boat, right? Late at night, Jesus walks across the water. What's going on? What's going on? Have you ever seen someone walk on water? That's what's happening. Jesus is walking on water to us. The people are so enamored with Jesus right now that they don't know what to do. Uh, they, they wake up. They don't, they don't know how Jesus gets to Capernaum, but they follow him to Capernaum, the other side of the lake. They're like, There's, where's this Jesus guy that fed us all this food? And so the next day, they find him in Capernaum. Okay? Now, now go to uh, John 6, 25. John 6, 25, I love it. They basically say, hey, Jesus, how did you get here? Rabbi, how did you get here? When did you get here? Because they know that the boat left had the disciples and it didn't have Jesus in it. So that's the first question they ask is, how, how did you get here? We found out you were here, but how did you even get here? And Jesus, I, I love it. He answers in verse 26 and he says this. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw mir- uh, miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You ate your loaves and you had your fill. So he asked, why are you looking for me? Why are you looking for me? <laughs> and then he says this. It's just like Jesus to use a beautiful picture. Remember the day before he fed him. The next day he says, you're looking for me because I fed you. And then in verse 27 says this. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life. Food that endures to eternal life. And if you're a person that just ate from these loaves and these fish, you're going, what is he talking about? I have no idea what he's talking about, but he fed me, and that's pretty cool. And I still like this guy. I still like what's going on. Okay, look at this. In verse, in verse uh, 28, 28. Then Jesus asked him, or, or then they asked him, the people asked him, okay, they asked him, what must we do to do works that God requires? What, what must we do to do this? And isn't that just like us? Like we see Jesus every single day. We see him moving and doing all these miracles in our lives every single day. And the first thing we ask is, what must we do? Do, 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 do. It's like we're little activists, right, running around. <laughs> 
saying, we got to do stuff. we got to earn our way to heaven. we got to, God, tell me what I must do to, to earn this bread of life, this, this stuff. I, I mean, I, gotta, I don't know, I can help a grandma across the road. Does that get me to heaven? Like, what can I do to earn this bread? It's just like us. It's just like me to continually think, i got to do something. i got to match this mark. And when I don't match this mark, what happens? Guilt, shame, all this stuff, right? And so it's just like us. It's just like those people. Jesus is speaking life to them, and, he sa- and they say, what, what do we got to do? Because we're activists, right? Oh, wow. My good friend writes this, okay? He, sa- he says this, Woodfin. He says, um, they were activists. He's writing about these people. They were activists, as we are, inclined to give action, preference over being. And they asked, how could they do the work of God? I want to be very clear about something. We're starting this thing called Project Salt. And the thing that is driving us is three words. Be, do, be. Be, do, be. It sounds foreign, but it's so incredibly simple. And this is what be, do, be means. There's got to be a moment in all of our lives when we become, be, we turn our identity from who we are to becoming a follower of Christ. There's got to become a moment when we realize that this life is more, more, has more than us just being good-looking, nice people, full of good morals. There's got to be a moment when we change our identity from who we are to Jesus Christ. That's the very first thing. And then the second thing, the do part of why we exist at Project Saul is this. Because we love God and we put our identity in him, he asks us then, I've given you so many talents to play music, to do whatever, to speak, to whatever, to serve me, to tell other people about this good news. Because there's a lot of people running around that need love and they need hope. And so I've given you talents to do this. It's called the Great Commission. We're supposed to go tell people about God and serve them and love them. But you see, this is often where I have missed the point and other people have missed the point. The third one is be, right? Be, do, be. Because at the end of every single day, if you lay your head down tonight and you say, I've done incredible things for God today, you missed it. It's not about what our hands can do. It's about who God's created. He created us to have a relationship with us, to love him. And when we change our identity from that to us doing, we've missed it. And so at the beginning, I want to be very clear at Project Salt, we're about be, do, be. We want to love God and we want to serve him, but at the end of every day, we want to say, God, you, you, it's you. It's you. You've given us this. I want to go to uh, uh, John chapter 6, 35. This is what he says in 35. It gets a little weird. All these people are following him. He has 5,000 people. And he says this. He says, uh, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Okay, that got a little weird. That got really weird. Because the day before, he fed us. We know that. He fed us bread. We followed him somehow to Capernaum. And now he's saying he's the bread of life. I don't know about this, but it's, it got really weird. Is he talking about cannibalism? What's he talking about? Remember, this is the first time they heard this. I am the bread of life. Am I supposed to eat you? Well, I, don't, I don't get this. Like, it's a, it's a little strange. 
Now, can I, I do a little pause right here? We'll come back to that. Here's a little pause. It's something about food. I love it, okay? Food is a physical representation of a spiritual truth. Write that down if you're taking notes because it's good, okay? Food is a physical representation of a spiritual truth. What does that mean? It means this. If we're hungry, what do we do? We eat. We eat. I think God gave us food to teach us how much we need him. Think about it. When we're hungry, we eat. If I go a day, I get grumpy. Ask my wife. If I, if I skip a meal, I get grumpy. I yell at my kids and kick my dog because I missed a meal. Physical food hurts me if I don't eat it. Think about what that means in the spiritual world. If you're not daily eating this bread of life, if you're not spending time with God, what does that do to you spiritually? You're dry. You're kicking your dog. Okay, that's cool. We'll get, we'll get, let's get back to the message. I don't even know where I was at now. Here we are. I'm doing my best to paint a picture of us being disciples because we're, we're, we're going to the beach. Remember, we're, at the end of this, we're going to the beach, but I want us to get the taste and the smells of following this guy, Jesus. So we saw him feed 5,000 people. We saw him walk on water. We saw him talk about cannibalism and all this stuff, and we're, it's a little weird. And then he turns to us and says, uh, you know, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to leave me as well? Well, guess what? A lot of people left Jesus at that point. They said, this got really weird. Thanks for the bread. And left. And the disciples said, where else can we go? Like, you're speaking eternal life, and we need this. Now, this is where the flyby goes through the book of John. If you're interested in it, I'd, I'd encourage you to read the book of John later. But I'm going to hit some highlights Okay, uh, there, there, there's a point in the book of John when a woman is brought in that's committed a bunch of adultery, and people are like, oh, what should we do? Should we kill this lady? She's bad. And Jesus says, no, I don't condemn her, neither should you. He forgives this lady that's caught in adultery. At that time, that's incredibly huge. That's big. It's like, kill him. Okay, not only that, uh, as disciples, we've watched him in John chapter 9, verse 3, heal a blind guy. How many of you have ever seen that? We're watching this guy. Like, like, we're walking with him every day, and one day he wakes up and decides to heal a blind guy? That's cool. That's awesome. Not only that, he's like, I'm Jesus. I can do one, one up on that. I'm going to heal a dead guy. I'm going to, like, raise a dead guy. Lazarus, my good friend. <laughs> you ever seen a guy raised from the dead? We're watching Jesus do this. Like, we're seeing the sights and smells and the sounds, and we're, we're, our mouths are open. He just raised a guy from the dead. What do you do with this? I mean, that's got to give you goosebumps, right? All of us, we're getting this. Then there comes this really beautiful point where this lady, just poor lady, she doesn't have a lot of money. She pours perfume on the feet of Jesus, a year's worth of wages, pours it on his feet because she loves him so much. And washes his feet with her hair. What does that smell like? That's beautiful, right? What is that doing to us? That's shaking us up. Like we're disciples, we're following him, and we're not washing his feet with our hair. I mean, this is this lady loves him, right? This is this is awesome. You get it? You get you get it right now? As disciples, this is what we're going through. <laughs> now I'm gonna really speed this up. John chapter 21. 
Jesus takes us to Jerusalem, all of us disciples, we go to Jerusalem. This is like, we're on top of the world, man. We're with the guy that everyone's talking about. He's healing people. He's doing all this stuff. We're his closest friends. And he takes us to Jerusalem. He dies on a cross. He gets crucified on a cross. Now I want us all to be one singular person. His name's Peter. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, James, and John. As Jesus is there and he's getting crucified, people come, soldiers come to us, Peter, and they say this, do you know this guy? And we say, wow, we don't know him. We've never seen him. What? We deny him, our friend? Not only once, we do it three times. Three times. We get mad that they're asking about this Jesus guy. We deny him three times. Then he dies. We're Peter. We're down in Jerusalem. We don't know what to do. Our world has just shattered. We denied our best friend, this guy we've seen do all this miraculous stuff. So we go back to the Sea of Galilee, defeated. (laughs) What are we supposed to do now? As Peter. Then comes the point of the Bible that if I can pick one point to be in, it's mine. I want this. I want this time right here. It's in, it's in verse 21, or chapter 21, verse 12. Remember, we just denied Jesus. Peter's, we just denied Jesus. We don't know what to do. We're sitting in the Sea of Galilee right now. We're in a boat. We're fishing. Our world is upside down. We don't know what to do. And we see this guy on the shore. And in verse 12, he says this. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. Jesus said to them, Come have breakfast. Whew. This is the guy that us as Peter, we just denied him three times, our best friend, and he's asking us to come have breakfast? What, what is this breakfast meal? It's one of the most intimate meals that you can have, right? Like when you have people stay at your house, they have breakfast, Right? You don't often invite people over for breakfast. That's for dinner or something. This breakfast is an intimate meal. And Jesus is sitting on the beach, and he's saying, I want you to come, and I want you to sit with me, and I want you to be. More importantly, you know what that means? As Peter... It means Jesus wants to talk to me again. This guy that I just denied three times wants to talk to me again. I want us to get the full weight of this. Is he asking us to do anything at this point? Is he?
Cheerios. Some probably lukewarm milk by now. What does he ask us to do? Huh? Think about this. If you're carrying the full weight of what just happened, you denied Jesus, and he shows up and says, sit with me on a beach. All this guilt, all this shame, all this stress you're carrying, stop, because I just want to have breakfast with you. That's it. It's the most important thing. We've been through so much. And at the end of all this, I'm about to disappear. I just want to remind you, it's about this relationship. It's about sitting and having breakfast with me. Oh, you know what this means for us? If Jesus Christ can look at Peter, who denied him, and say, it's, it's good, sit with me. Let's have breakfast. What does that mean about the sin in our life and the stuff we're doing wrong and the stuff that we're carrying around in our life? Is it so great that God's not going to forgive it? Is it? No way! It doesn't compare to, to Peter physically denying Jesus Christ three times and Jesus did what? He forgave him. He said, sit with me. Have this deep relationship with me. What are you carrying around? What are you carrying around? Is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it this performance mode? Is this what, what you're carrying around? Don't you dare ever again say, Jesus, I can't use me because I've messed up too much. Don't you dare ever again say, I'm not going to come to know Jesus Christ until I get my life right. You'll never get it right. You've got to come to Christ so he can make it right. Don't you ever again put so much power on what you do that you overcome the power of Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. Who's it about? It's about Jesus Christ. And when you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ and running after him with all your heart, he says you got it right. And that means every day he invites us to do what? Have breakfast with him. Oh, that's beautiful. So the question I have for you is this. When was the last time you simply sat and had breakfast with your king? I want you to think real honest about that. When was the last time you sat in silence and had breakfast with your king? For some of us, that's a, that's a hard thing to answer, isn't it? I want to end on this quote, and it's a, it's a quote by Soren uh, Kierkegaard. And Soren Kierkegaard is a, a spiritual philosopher. And this is what he says, and, it, and he writes about preaching. That's what I do all the time. 
he writes about this thing, but it, it applies to all of our lives. And this is what Soren Kierkegaard says. It's my existence that preaches. It's my existence that preaches. Not the mouth. What my existing says is my sermon. Are you living in such a way that you're having breakfast with your king and your actions are speaking louder than your words? Because what your existing says is your sermon. I want to invite uh, Jeremy, uh, wherever he's at, to come up here. And, and I just want to talk to him a little bit. He has no idea what I'm going to ask him. That's the best, man. I could ask him whatever I want. You're mine now. Um, Jeremy, maybe some of you have, have never met Jeremy Ashida, and, and, and it looks like we have some people that just came for uh, the Frey concert, came, maybe met you there, didn't meet you, but saw you there for the first time, thought he's, he's good looking or something, and, and married, and and came, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, Brittany would beat me up if I left it at that. So uh, if you don't know Jeremy, it's Jeremy Sheeta. He's a great dude, very talented, and, and God has got his hand on Jeremy's life, and Jeremy's really scared about what I'm about to ask him right now, uh, but, but don't be, okay, because it's this. How, Jeremy, did you grow up to be right here, like, leading, leading worship and... and um, leading us all in worship and singing words to God. Were you perfect? No. No. Uh, nope. <laughs> I, and I think, I think you'll probably see this if you ever come back or you probably saw it today. Like, uh, I'm very, very far from perfect. And, and I think like, I'm, I may be able to like sing and play and do that sort of thing. But man, as far as talking, like, I've been praying, asking God so much, can you please just help me? <laughs> To say, like, not be so awkward when I'm up here, like, I don't know, because, I mean, I take it very seriously, like, the fact that I get to lead, like, all my friends and all, all like, my new friends and, and everyone, like, in worship and in worshiping God, and, and, uh, and so I don't want to get up here and look like such a dork all the time, and, but no, like, I'm not perfect at all, and, uh, but it's really cool that God can use me and use all of us like in, in such an imperfect in, in way. Okay. Or such a perfect way. Well can, I, well, can I interrupt you and ask you then, how is God using you? Like, like is it just here that he uses you, or, or how is God using you in your life at large? I, I never gave him any of these questions, so he's like on the spot. I love it. It's awesome. Um, I think a, the, big, the biggest way right now that God's been using me is um, just to love my wife really well. Um, I've been married just a little bit over a year and, and it's been really, really awesome and great. And actually, like, before meeting her, before this, like, I never thought that, like, I would be able to love, you know, a wife like I do now. And it's just, it's been great. And I think, uh, man, I'm really confused at what I'm saying. But basically, <laughs> basically, I think he's just been using me big time to show if not show other people or just show my wife like that God loves her. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you a very specific question about music in general, okay? 
um, especially as you lead worship. Uh, you know, as Jeremy gets, gets um, more famous or whatever, okay, th- this, this is what's happening. People are going to show up and people are going to say, Jeremy, lead me in music. And it comes a lot about, about what you're doing here, like the physical talent of what you're doing here. A lot of that comes through your doing. Now, n- let me ask you this. What happens in your heart or happens in your mind when you don't think you're doing it right? That one's tough because, uh, like, with music, it seems like uh, that was one of the hardest things I ever had to get through, I think, or one of the hardest things is, is to, to understand that, like, it's not about what I do in music. And, and with, with, like, writing songs and all this stuff, it's like every song that you write, you're always going to want to write a better one, and you're always going to want to write a better one than that, and you're never going to be satisfied. And I think at one point, though, God really stopped me, and he was like, no, like, Jeremy, this is not about you. It's not about anything that you do. You could write the best song in the world and still not be happy. Like, it's not what you do. It's about me and how much I love you, you know? And that's, and that's really, like, what I felt God was telling me. He's like, dude, this is about how much I love you and nothing else. Nothing else ever will matter. Um, and that was it. And, and when, I, when I realized that, it was awesome because a lot of weight came off of me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to write all these songs. Like, I didn't have to write a song every day or a song every month or really any time ever again because I knew that, like, God loved me that much and that he didn't care what I did just as long as, like, I spent time with him and loved him. Like, he was cool. He loved it. He yeah. loves me. Okay, I'll ask you a little personal question here. What, what does it look like for you to have breakfast with your king? Just give us a glimpse into one day. What, is that, what does that look like? Usually uh, I will drop my wife off at work and then just go home. And um, I'll usually just start writing in my journal, start writing this little journal that I have and just start writing just thoughts that I have and try to get all of them out and get any thought that I have of the day or any worries that I have out before um, I really get to start my like real good time with God, it seems like. Because I don't, when I'm thinking about all these things, I'm not thinking about God. And then I'll just usually just sit there and just listen for God and listen maybe what, he sa- what he's saying to me. And then I'll try to write that down. And then I'll read the Bible and then uh, just wait usually. And one of the best parts that I discovered, and, and, I, and I don't know why it took me so long to discover this, but this is one of the most simple things is that God promises to give us new mercies every day, and he promises to renew us every day, to give us everything that we need for that day, not for yesterday, or, no, I mean, not for tomorrow, not, not, like, we can't use yesterday's mercies for today. Like, he promises to give us enough for each day. And, and it was funny, because this week I was kind of having a hard week, and uh, I asked him, and, and this was just like, I don't know why I've never asked him this before. Maybe I have, but... It didn't feel like this, but I, I just said, God, right now, I don't know. It just feels weird, but I need to be filled. I need your mercy. I need it. And it was like instantly I had that, and I could go out and might go and, do, and, and, and take on the day. But so if you're sitting there and I don't know if you have hard time, like having a hard time really getting with God or, or f- filling him or whatever, just ask him. Just ask him for anything because he's so good. <laughs> He'll give it to you. Yeah. Uh, I want to end on that, but I want to invite your, your whole band to come up and so you guys can, can kind of set up. And, and I want to I give us a challenge here. Every single one of us is at a different point uh, with Jesus Christ right now, seeking in love with him madly. 
Every single one of us, because we're human, can easily pick up this thing called guilt and shame. Performance. Every single one of us can miss the point of it's about having breakfast with your king. And so I want to in, invite us, you guys can, can start playing and, and lead us through another worship song. Uh, I want to invite us right now uh, to maybe ha- just sing to God from the bottom of your heart. Um, maybe you need to write in a little journal to him. This is, this is really a time just to go, ah, oh, God, I missed it. You're saying that you love me and you're going to forgive me. Thank you. This is our time just to sit with God and say, God, you're awesome. I'm sorry I've done this and this and this, but it's not even about that. It's about sitting and having breakfast with you. And man, it's that simple. I've missed it. So I'm going to invite us all right now to simply do that. Have breakfast with our king. I don't have enough Cheerios to pass around, but you get the point. The point is sitting on a beach, you right now, put yourself on the beach with Jesus Christ. Spend time with him. Look at his eyes. Talk to him. Let him work on your heart right now. me mm-hmm.